One thing I forgot to mention is that Ken is, is uh, going to be sticking around this morning, and uh, he has a, a table uh, that he's going to have set up outside. So as you walk out the front doors, normally that, so the cafe is to your left with the donuts and coffee and whatnot. If you go to your right, the table will be right there. If you'd love to be able to meet with him, ask him some questions, uh, get some information, uh, I'm sure that he would be more than willing to share that with you. So take advantage of that. Now, we don't have a lot of time. Uh, as a matter of fact, I kept thinking, listening to Ken, I'm like, I should just close up shop, say, okay, we're good, and send you on your way. Uh, that was fantastic. What a blessing. And it's really great how God works because a lot of what it is that you shared about, Ken, is, is really what it is that we've been uh, reading about and now are going to be venturing into here this morning, and that is that we are in a spiritual battle. There is an enemy. There's a movie called The Usual Suspects, if, uh, if you've ever seen it, and, and there's a line in this movie that basically says that the greatest trick the devil ever, ever pulled was to convince the world that he doesn't exist. There is an enemy, and our fight is not against flesh and blood, even though we convince ourselves of that so often, especially in this climate right now with everything that's raging, with the pandemic, with the election politics, all these, these uh, regulations and mandates. We make our battle against each other, but that's not where our battle resides. Our battle is against principalities, against rulers of this dark world, against these evil forces that are determining to subvert the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a lot of times what they've done is they've tried to convince you that they don't exist, that that isn't the case, and so we end up looking at each other as the enemy. And that's not the way that God intended this to be. One thing I want to mention is I, we had this card handed out, and hopefully you were able to get this. If not, they are available in the commons. And I, 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 didn't, I knew I wasn't going to be able to take time to get into this here today, but um, we, we need to know who our enemy is. And this is just uh, an example of who is our enemy, how can we better understand the devil and his evil, wicked schemes. But then one of the fantastic truths is James 4, 7, that he can be resisted. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Not that he might, but that he will now, we are, we're in our rooted experience in the midst of that. We're in week five. For those of you that are watching via the live stream and those of you that are in person, uh, we've been going through this material as a church, as individuals, and then as small groups so that we can connect with God, so that we can connect with the church, and so that we can also connect with God's purpose for our lives. This has been a fantastic experience. And as is the rhythm, we spend five days reading on any given topic. For this week, it's been there is an enemy, spiritual warfare, all that goes into the knowledge of that and then how God wants us to respond. And then we spend this morning where I talk, kind of give a little bit further emphasis, some groundwork on it. And then groups start meeting tonight and then throughout the remainder of the week, going even further. And we're going to be talking tonight and in our group time over the week about releasing those strongholds in your life, releasing those strongholds in your life. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to emphasize something in the time that we have left here, and that is first and foremost in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 18. Now these verses are probably very familiar to, to many of you that are here or watching at home, but it bears repeating. 
We should never get tired of venturing into God's Word, right? Because He reveals things to us time and time again. Why? Because God's Word is living and active. It is organic. It isn't stale, right? It isn't a shark. It doesn't, when it stops, it dies. Well, God's Word never stops. It always moves. So let's start with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then. Well, there's a similar theme running here. We'll get into that. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, the armor of God. This is a familiar text for many of you. As a matter of fact, probably the first time that many of you heard or saw this was through flannel graph. Raise your hand if you remember what flannel graph is, right? You'd have that soldier right on the flannel and you just start putting all the different pieces and say this armor, this piece, this piece, this piece. We're not going to do that. Instead, we're, we are going to go through these various armors in a very uh, kind of simplistic way, but we're going to underline something really fundamental, fundamental to this passage, and that is this. Paul here is saying in his letter to the Ephesians that we are to take an active posture of defense. An active posture of defense against the rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces. Notice the key words here that Paul emphasizes here in this passage. He says, be strong. We'll get to that here towards the end, but then he says, put on. That's an active act, right? Stand your ground. Stand firm. Take up. Pray. Be alert. This isn't, Paul isn't referencing or trying to underline a march towards, but rather he's, or, or an assault, he's not saying, hey, we need to march towards or we need to assault. Instead, he is presenting a posture of defending the fortress of our soul. What are we told to put on? What are we told to take up? We're told to put on the full armor of God. We can't, we can't pick and choose. Paul isn't saying, well, you can use this or you can use that. He's saying, put on the full armor. Put on everything. So let's look briefly on what these things are. First, the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now, with the Roman soldier, the very first thing that they would do before they would put on any of the armor, they would put on the belt of truth. And the reason for this, it is to bind up their garments so that they could then actually use what it is that would protect them. 
The belt is not technically part of that armor, but it would be put on in order to bind up those garments. And so a Christian, similarly, this is what Paul is saying, must first wrap themselves up in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is fundamentally what a Christian needs to do first. That means don't just study the parts of Scripture that come easy for devotional reading. And even though there's, and I've mentioned this before, we talked about this when we were talking about the Word of God. The, the, the devotions is fantastic. Jesus calling, my utmost for his highest. Those can be profound and they can present nuggets of truth to us that we can embed deep in our souls. But we can't just strictly rely on that. We need to press into the whole counsel of God's Word. This book here has so much to offer, and even though we have access to digital format, to digital ways in which engaging in God's Word, it does tend to promote the isolation of text. But when we hold up this entire book, we are then mesmerized and reminded about the whole counsel of God's word, the whole counsel of what God says and, and, and the truth of which he reminds us. And then we need to pray God's word. We need to pray through the word that is revealed to us. Use scripture as a template to guide your prayer time. Put Bible verses, unposted notes, and screensavers, anything that will help you remember the truth of God's Word so that you can be prepared then for the rest of the armor. The next is the breastplate of righteousness, and that is that a Christian must live in obedience to the law of God, to live rightly with God. Our hearts are what are at stake that's why it is that we put on the breastplate to protect our hearts. That is why we live in righteousness, why we pursue obedience to God so that our hearts can be true. So that is obeying instructions for God. That means doing what David said in Psalm 139. Search my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me. How many times have you asked that question? Ken mentioned that with his father-in-law, Jerry, having that moment where, where he said, God, what is it? How have I offended? Not only you, but others. And then what can I do to make that right? And then also we need to seek people out to live with accountability. We're not meant to struggle alone. We become easy targets for the enemy when we isolate ourselves. The next piece that Paul mentions here is the feet fitted with the gospel of peace. The feet fitted with the gospel of peace. That is that a Christian must have firm footing if they are to defend themselves. Right? If you ever notice that if you're on, well, in ice, anybody been curling? You know you need special shoes to curl, right? You need special shoes to be on the ice. Otherwise, you're going to be slipping and sliding, right? We need firm uh, footing in order to defend ourselves. We need to surround ourselves with God's word about the truth of Jesus in our lives and in our hearts. We need to cease listening to the lies that the enemy speaks in order to steal your sense of a security in Jesus Christ. Don't live like I did when I was eight years old. When I was eight years old, after I had received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, I was so worried about losing that that I would over and over again say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, come into my heart. Don't live your life like I did when I was eight. 
Don't allow the enemy to steal your sense of security that we have in Jesus Christ. The next piece that Paul talks about is the shield of faith. A Christian must take up the shield, and that shield is high enough and wide enough to cover our entire body. The shield that Paul here is saying, the Greek word specifically, is the oblong shield that the Romans used, and it was long, it was high, and it was wide, so that if they crouched down, it would cover them head to toe. And these shields were made with, with pieces of wood and then bound and covered by thick leather in order to extinguish those flaming arrows. Our reliance on God, our reliance on God, that faith as we hold that shield can extinguish the enemy's flaming arrows, those lies. But also, to, we need to do that together. Roman soldiers were known. We've probably seen this in movies too, but it's historically accurate that Roman soldiers were known to come together and to form a gigantic shield and covering. We need to do that as a church, as brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to pour into Bible verses that build up our faith that remind us of our need to rely completely and solely on God and God alone. We need to set our our eyes and our minds on God's consistent character, how He never fails, He never falters, He never diminishes, even though everything around our world does. And then the helmet of salvation. Our minds are at stake here. The head is the most vulnerable of areas with the body, and that is true with our spiritualness as well. This is the hope of final deliverance. We need to keep our eyes focused on the eternity that we have with God over the things of the earth. Consider Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And then the sword of the Spirit, contrary to popular opinion, well, maybe not popular opinion, but instinctual opinion, the Word of God that Paul uses to describe the sword of the Spirit is a defensive one, a defensive weapon, not an offensive weapon. Christians must fortify themselves with the knowledge and understanding of God's Word. We need to defend ourselves with God's Word, similar to how Jesus did. Consider this in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, when he's in the wilderness and he's tempted literally by the enemy. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. He is referencing what was then the Jewish Bible, the Bible for them, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. He was using the Word of God as a defensive weapon against the assault of the enemy. And then the last part that we don't talk about often when we talk about the armor of God, when, when Paul talks about that we need to put on the full armor of God in Ephesians there, what's the last thing he mentions? He says, and pray. 
pray in the Spirit on all occasions. I love how when Ken was sharing, he was saying, he was saturating his circumstance with prayer. How for six and a half years, that's what he did. Every Wednesday night, he prayed. And I would imagine a lot of that prayer was in defense of what the enemy was throwing at you, right? No one, wa- no one cares about me. No one wants to hear what I say. God, why did you bring me here? We pray. That's why Paul says this. He says, be strong in the Lord, not by the Lord. In that God, he doesn't make us strong. Rather, he fills us with his strength. There's a big difference. Because strength is his. It's not ours. God has done the offensive work through Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15 says this. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. God forgave us all our sins. God canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. God has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authority, God made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. To grow spiritually, to be a believer, to be a Christian, to decide to follow Jesus, to follow Jesus and make him the leader of your life is, is a constant act of relinquishing, not acquiring. Our lives are saturated with this idea that we must acquire, we must acquire, we must acquire. But a life with God is not about acquiring, it is about relinquishing. God wants to spend a life with you in which He is pruning away those things that would get in the way of your total dependence on Him. Why? Because we are being assaulted by the enemy day in and day out. We need to open our eyes to this attack and to defend ourselves, to take the posture. What is the one word that Paul says again and again and again in those verses in Ephesians? What is that word? Stand. We've got to stand. We stand firm because we have a foundation that is firm. How is that foundation firm? We serve a God that we will never be separated from. He is holding our forever. We are forever held in the grasp of the Almighty. In just a second here, Tess is going to close our service off with a song that she's written called Holding My Forever. And I think it's just a fantastic way of being able to bring together all that we've talked about today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love, for your mercy, for the joy that we have in our salvation. And I pray, Father, that just as we talked about, that our eyes would be open, that we wouldn't live in fear of the enemy, but that we would live in awareness of the enemy 
And as we are aware that there is an enemy, that we wrestle against these evil forces, that we would set our eyes, our hearts, and our minds on you. And that we would welcome and invite the strength that you provide, that we would be strong in you so that we can be a light in this dark world. We pray this in your name. Amen.